Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with our community. That's you about stuff that matters to us. We're so glad you're here. We're back. And hi, sweetheart. Hi. Welcome back to the podcast. I know. We had two whole weeks off. Wow. It feels like much longer. It does kind of feel like longer, but I'm glad to be back. How about you? Also glad. Good. Yeah, this is a thing that I enjoy. It's something I like doing with you. Glad to be here doing it. Same. How are you feeling today? Oh, let's jump right in. Uh, Okay. So my first... My, all my feelings actually <laughs> are related to a major topic that we'll be discussing later in the podcast. Um, uh, specifically, the the draft decision by the Supreme Court that uh, came out Monday night about a potent, the, the draft of a decision that has not yet been filed officially, but that indicates that the court is prepared to completely overturn Roe versus Wade. Explicitly so, yeah. Um, and so my feelings are really kind of still wrapped up in that because mm-hmm. it's been sort of dominating my mental space, and my right. emotional space for since the, since the news broke. Yeah. Uh, on one level, I am furious. Yeah. Uh, the the level of my fury today, as compared to last night when I first read about the news, is much lower. It's not burning quite as red hot. Well, that's good. <laughs> as it was you know, in the immediate, immediate reaction, but I still am angry. Yeah. I still am, and that's still a, a present thing. Um, and I'm feeling also related to that whole situation and to the more the broader situation of sort of this imminent seeming um, takeover of our country by a fascist, white, Christian, nationalist extreme. Minority. Minority, I should say, uh, is making me feel very wary. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel, maybe not all the way to foreboding, <laughs> but I'm like, feeling like, wow, what's, the, if this is, this is coming, the the Roe decision, uh, the, and, and, and we'll talk about this more later, you know, it's also opening the door to future actions that really take us backward in an astonishing number of ways mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the progress we've made with civil rights in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel wary. And so I'm that's that's a feeling I'm dealing with today. Um and it's not really it's not really based on any new information. It's just like a maybe a, a re-upping of a, a lot of the stuff that I have felt for well, maybe in in particular the last five years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and the contrast to those first two feelings is that I'm also feeling kind of calm right now. Mm. And so that's all happening at the same time. I um I feel I feel okay in my in the base level of my spirit. I feel mm-hmm. okay. I'm and I think that that's partially attributable to the fact that I'm actively processing those ragier emotions, those fierier emotions. Mm-hmm. Fierier, is that a word? Sure. Uh I'm I'm working through those with my tools, and um, and so the result that I feel in this moment is that I feel calm. Well, that's something. In the midst of the storm. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Yeah. How about you? How are you feeling? <sighs> my feelings also, like yours, uh, are related to the news of the day, uh, and I'm feeling concerned and preoccupied. Mm, okay. Is how I would characterize it. Yeah. Like you, kind of middle ground emotions, not all the way to 
panicky or freaked out. Yeah. Also not all the way to calm. Yeah. Somewhere kind of in the middle. It's definitely, I can feel my brain chewing on it. Sure. You know, it's one of those types of situations where my immediate impulse is I need to do something. Yeah. And I'm not certain there's a lot to do yet yeah. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doesn't mean my brain's not going to chew on it some. Totally. It's definitely burning some spare cycles back there in the background <laughs> doing, you know, doing what it's doing no matter what else I'm doing. Yeah. Which has a net result for me of just making me feel a little bit unfocused, a little bit like I just find myself in the middle of doing something and not doing it and kind of thinking but not thinking, <laughs> you know. Yes, I, I do. I myself back to I have to refocus a lot. Yeah. So, you know, Doing okay, but a little worried. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I'll be all right. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I heard a rumor that you have an item for us in the let's get less dumb category that is just kind of fun. And I could use some fun. So shall we get less dumb? Class, anyone? Anyone? And I think that you're right. It is important to have a little bit of sugar <laughs> with a medicine that is going to characterize so much of the rest of this hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I learned something neat recently. So the word moment. Okay. Going back to when we were kids, like, oh, give me a moment. Yeah. Let me have a moment. Yeah. What is a moment? I think of it as like a few seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah. It turns out that historically speaking, like the idea of a moment. Uh-huh is actually something that used to be a very formalized unit of time. Okay. And long story short, and I'll get into the details in a sec, but long story short, it averages out to about 90 seconds. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot longer than I would think of as a moment. So tell me me why. It also makes me feel better about all those times when I've been like, ah, just give me a moment. And then I take about 90 seconds. (laughs) It turns out that I'm actually (laughs) hewing to canon. So I feel really good about that. I feel that. Oh my gosh. So why? Why is it ninety about 90 seconds? All right, check this out. So, and I'm just reading from Wikipedia here. I learned this elsewhere, but Wikipedia has a pretty good summation of it. Okay, great. A moment is a medieval unit of time. Okay. The movement of a shadow on a sundial covered 40 moments in a solar hour. Okay, wait. 40 moments in a solar hour. So a solar hour is a 12th of the period between sunrise and sunset. Oh, oh. Which means that it changed every day. Yes, because like here in the Pacific Northwest, in the summertime, we have daylight for like, Mm, I mean- 16 hours or something, 15 hours. And then like, it's like nine hours in winter. Right. So it can really be super variable. A 12th of that just changes no matter how, like depending on the time of year. That's it. Wow. so a 40th of that is a moment, right? Okay. So the length of a solar hour depended on the length of the day, which in turn varied with the season. Okay. Although the length of a moment in modern seconds was therefore not fixed, on average, a moment corresponded to about 90 seconds. A solar day can be divided into 24 hours of either equal or unequal lengths, right? <laughs> the former being uh. called natural and the latter artificial. Wait, wait, wait. The former what? So if a solar day is divided into 24 hours of equal length, that's called natural. Okay. And if it's divided into 24 hours of unequal lengths, okay. that's called artificial. Because apparently that's something people did back in the day. Oh. They weren't just like, here's a unit of time. Like they didn't, they didn't know what a second was. Well, there were no watches there or were clocks no... or anything like that. Until when? When did they make a clock? Like, I'm not sure. But yeah. they, they were just kind of making it up, doing the best they could. I mean, they knew the broad strokes, like, you know, the sun would 
go down and come up. And well, that was the next day. Right. So that's a place to start. But then how do you divide that? Yeah. And they were just doing the best they could. And so some people would divide the day into 24 hours. Equal hours. Equal hours. And then some people would not do that. They would divide into unequal hours based on the daylight hours versus the nighttime hours. Right. Right. Uh, And so the hour was divided into four uh, puncta, which are quarter hours. Okay. Ten minuta. Okay. And or forty momenta. Wow. Okay. Those are, and those are just the those are just the arbitrary divisions that they had at the time. So quarter hours we still have. Yeah. Ten minute divisions we don't have an explicit name for that, but no. you know you can do ten minutes. Yeah. And then 40 moments. Apparently, that was just like an important measure of time for them. So, you know, 40 times 1.5 is 60. That's about an hour, right? So about 90 seconds. So interesting. I mean, so there were probably some times of the year when the the solar hours were shorter, Mm -hmm. but a moment came closer to a minute. It was like a minute, yeah. Yeah. But like in the Northwest... Like up here, yeah. like in medieval times, uh-huh. a moment might have been close to two minutes, like right around, you know, yeah. late June. That's so interesting. Isn't that so interesting? And I'm just thinking about like what it was like to exist as a person going about their day, going about their business in a way that's not defined by a clock at all, but just by like this more sort of almost subjective measure of it's not subjective because it like it's halfway subjective yeah it's like halfway it's subjective measure sort of, of time. interpretive yeah. yeah interpretive is a good way wow it's so interesting to me yeah. that's that's fascinating thank you i feel less dumb good glad to hear it <laughs> so for another small note of positivity before things get dark here ah. uh let's do uh where's my gold star and I am under the impression that you might be requesting a gold star today. I am. I really? am. And for it's, what? Well, so you and I were on break for uh, from the podcast for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a circumstance that I experienced I- in that time in which there were some um, just challenging interpersonal interactions right. that I was a part of. Family visits, man. Yeah. We do our best. And I... I want to request a gold star for what I feel like was sort of a successful effort at sort of maintaining this emotional yoga pose mm-hmm. <laughs> during that where I was, you know, really um, facing the, the the difficulties, but at the same time, uh, like, and, and accepting what, you know, the situation was and also choosing how I wanted to be in those moments. And like, I feel like, I I was able to really use my tools. Like, and a lot of the tools that like I'm exploring on this record project we're doing right now, like I was putting them to use like mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked at like, I, I feel like for, for mostly I had, a, there were a few cracks, but mostly I feel like I was in the situation really able to maintain my own sense of peace. Well, that's and very good. even like personal joy <laughs> in the midst of what was, uh, you know, uh, a, a difficult, difficult circumstance to navigate, and I, I just feel I feel proud of myself for that. I feel happy for myself that I was able to like use these tools and like get that outcome. And so, I'm requesting a gold star. Well, you know what? I thought about it <laughs> in light of the personal growth that you're experiencing <laughs> and expressing through this. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you a gold star. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> proud. Very proud. I will try not to spend it in all in one place. Yep. Yeah. So this feels important. Please hold for a very important message. 
Yeah. So I might as well do mine first because I get the impression that yours then is just going to spin off into a whole sure. other constellation of Great. discussions. Great, let's do it. What do you got? So the thing that I have uh, has to do with Elon Musk buying Twitter. Okay. And an angle on it that I was made aware of that uh, hasn't been getting a whole lot of press, mm. and I, it just felt important to, to discuss it briefly, which is how totally indebted he is to China oh. and the security risk that poses to our country. Interesting. Vis-a-vis -vis his purchase of Twitter. Okay. Uh, and I learned about this via Matt Stoller. He mm -hmm. is that guy who writes about monopolies. Yeah. And I'm going to read some sections from the newsletter of his from last week that okay. I, I learned about this in, just because I think it's a good way to summarize what's, what's okay. going on here, Let's okay? Hear it. So, uh, he says here, the more interesting critique of Musk's purchase of Twitter is not about his personal political goals, uh, because, you know, they were he was discussing previously whether he's going to, like, make it way more libertarian or conservative Just in, or like, whatever. like, invite back a bunch of people who were abusive yeah. on the platform and inciting violence. And so he says, the more interesting critique is not about that, but about his ties to China. These ties have largely escaped scrutiny because looking too closely at Musk would implicate much of much of corporate America, who have similar dependencies. It's actually hard to find a firm right now that isn't addicted to Chinese production, consumption, or capital, from Amazon to Apple to, Apple, to uh, Disney to Nike to BlackRock, the list goes on. But all of the biggest corporations in America are somewhere between uh, indebted and dependent with China, okay. right? Um, but he says, but Musk's dependency on the Chinese government is overwhelming and personal, while insulting U.S. politicians and regulators, he operates as a mascot for Chinese society and at Chinese conferences says things like China rocks and I love China in return for huge subsidies. Hmm. Uh, and Musk's flattery has delivered because he has something they want, which is battery, space, and electric vehicle technology. Hmm. Uh, in return for building out the Chinese electric vehicle ecosystem, uh, the Chinese government essentially gave Musk a free factory in Shanghai. Okay. As well as access to their market. Both China and Musk have benefited from this arrangement, with Tesla generating more than a quarter of its total revenue from China, or about $14 billion. Okay. According to the Wall Street Journal, the firm sold more than 470,000 cars made at its Shanghai factory last year. Uh, Tesla said it delivered more than 936,000 vehicles globally in 2021. So about half of those... Were sold to Chinese customers? Were, were, uh, were made in China. Oh, okay. Were okay, made sorry. in China. Got it. Uh, so the result of this alliance is that Musk became the richest man in the world and China gained market power within a thriving electric vehicle ecosystem. As Musk conveyed six days ago to Tesla investors, China controls certain key parts in the Tesla supply chain okay. worldwide. Okay. And moreover, Tesla is increasingly not an American company, using Shanghai as its primary export platform. One Tesla hmm. executive noted that Shanghai's lower cost structure means that their mix of cars is shifting towards China. The net effect of this arrangement is that Musk has the capital to buy Twitter in the U.S., even though he openly insulted the Securities and Exchange Commission, which had penalized him for lying to investors. Right. Uh, and that is not how Musk is treated in China. For instance, uh, last year, uh, and then uh, there's a, quoting a tweet, someone saying, it was a rare rebuke for Tesla, the first foreign automaker to operate a wholly owned plant in China. Tesla said that it, 
quote, sincerely accepted the guidance of government departments and that it had deeply reflected on shortcomings and would abide by Chinese laws. Whoa. Yeah. And that he, sounds so like, like loyalty to the authoritarian government oh, absolutely. China and language. Like he goes a, on to say, periodically, the Chinese bureaucracy reminds powerful entities operating within China, and that includes corporate America, who is in charge. Wow. Uh -huh. Tesla, as many others have, was thus forced to engage in a self-confession, oh uh, showing its belly to demonstrate subservience to the Chinese. A okay. far cry from Musk's routine attacks on American regulators and policymakers mm -hmm. as bastards and fascists. Mm. You know, things he has literally called members of the SEC. Wow. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so in many ways, Musk has gotten the ability to access unlimited capital in return for effectively acting as an agent of the Chinese government. Okay. Isn't that wild? So is the implications for Twitter? Well, I'll continue. Oh, okay. So... He says, Musk is useful to China because he is helping Chinese strategists execute on their long-term goals. What are these goals? In May of 2020, the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, declared its economic strategy using the phrase dual circulation. Dual circulation meant fostering a domestic productive apparatus that is independent of foreign technology and finance, while at the same time making sure the rest of the world is dependent on Chinese control of key supply chains, whether it's shipping, railroad construction, electric batteries, solar panels, et cetera. Chinese grand economic strategy, in other words, is to operate as a giant monopoly on which the rest of the world must rely. Okay. Uh, and, and it's working. I'm not going to read all the numbers. Okay. They're not as germane to this, but like their control over key supply chains, including shipping, right. has dramatically tightened over right. the last just few years. Well, and we've seen the we've seen that bear out with regard to like when there have been shutdowns in China because of the pandemic, like the reverberations of that in the supply chain all over the world. I mean, we we're experiencing that on an individual basis, like with you know here at home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so he continues to, he talks a bit uh, in this article uh, that you can, about how like, you know, tariffs work and all that sort of thing. And he, he goes, it's all, you know, and tariffs are kind of like pointless, like removing tariffs would be really bad right now. Tariffs would be really good for American production right now. and something we need to do to encourage businesses to start like actually manufacturing stuff in, in the U.S. The US yeah. As opposed to being dependent on China, right? right? Mm -hmm. And he says, and this brings me back to Musk, China, and Twitter. There is an ideological and media component to the contest between the U.S. and China. And the Chinese government already owns TikTok, one of the most important media platforms in the world, used by over 100 million Americans. It's owned by the government? Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Most businesses uh, are, to some extent or another, either owned or controlled by the government the in China. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, of course. But that's how that yeah. works there, right? Uh, he says, it's crazy we even allow TikTok in this country at all. Hmm. It is an easily replicable service. It is not complex technology. And allowing the Chinese Communist Party to control what a generation of Americans watch is very dangerous. Hmm. The CCP cannot overly overtly manipulate TikTok in the U.S. It must be subtle, but subtlety is quite manageable and can also be built into the structure of Twitter. Mm. Elon Musk's control over this social network could enable the CCP to have influence over another important platform for political discourse in this country. Right. And that, far more than any questions over censorship, is what policymakers should be thinking about. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Terrifying. Because, like, if it's owned by someone who's indebted, if Twitter's owned by someone who's indebted as deeply as Elon Musk is to China... And is willing to do that whole, like, 
Yes, China. I, I'm like, I got apologize no to you. For, got no options yeah. but to do it. Right. They have us. They have him by the balls. Yeah. To yeah. put it bluntly. Yeah. You know. And so, what influence will they exert over him to just subtly manipulate who sees what and what thoughts get surfaced and what thoughts get pushed down? Mm-hmm. There will be a level, theoretically, of Chinese Communist Party control over how our political discourse happens in America because a lot of it happens first on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's interesting. I'm just going to go ahead and keep uh, hoping against hope that this deal falls through and he actually doesn't get to buy Twitter. <laughs> I know, for seriously. For so many reasons, this one included. My God. So uh, if anyone is interested in learning more about this and other Monopoly-related kind of issues, I just want to give a little plug for the email that I was just reading from. Yeah. Uh, it's from this guy, Matt Stoller, S T O L L E R. He has a Substack. It's a free newsletter. You can just go subscribe. Super it interesting is stuff. Fascinating to yeah. learn how monopoly affects so many facets of our day to day life yeah. and so many of the problems that we experience in our country. And this is just theoretically one more manifestation of that. So yeah. very, wow. very weird. Well, thanks for sharing. So I am under the impression that you also have something that feels important to you. Yeah, you know, I just feel like we, I, like I've, I've got to talk about this Supreme Court draft yep. decision that was. Uh, we do. Yeah. So Monday evening, just to recap, if you haven't heard the news yet, so Monday evening uh, there was a, a a story in the online. Um, magazine Politico, they had been uh, given a leak of a draft decision. So a draft being that like, this is, it's 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 like a, like a first draft or a second draft. I don't know which draft it is, but like it's a, it's a draft of what will eventually become uh, the decision published by the Supreme Court. Or, or won't. And that's also really important to note. Draft decisions have been leaked in the past. Uh, not a lot of them, uh, but draft decisions can often, it, it, it is what it sounds like. It's one of the justices putting forward a, hey, here's how we could go with this. Here's what I would write about it. Right. What do y'all think about this? Okay. And like, but you know, along some- with that, they also have already had a preliminary vote. And oh, yeah, it, yeah. it's already, it, it, it's clear that this Supreme Court with its extremist activist judges, mm-hmm. ex- right-wing extremist judges, have voted already preliminarily to completely overturn Roe versus Wade. Exactly. So that is, that and again, is, that's not the final vote, and it's important to say that. Sure. It probably will be, of given course. who's on this fucking court. Well, yeah. But it's not set in stone. It's just, it's important <laughs> to say that. It's sure. Like, technically, Yeah. But those of us, anyone who is who, all the analysis of the the hearing, mm-hmm. um, in which this on which this decision was, you know, from which this, this decision comes, mm-hmm. and the case that they heard earlier this year, all of the analysis after that, just based on oh, like totally. the questions and the comments that the justices were making during the hearing, it was clear then that they would be voting to overturn Roe versus. Wade. Oh, they were looking like, for excuses. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so we, but but. It, yeah, it hasn't happened yet, right? right? Abortion is still the law. Or abortion rights are still the law of the land. Roe is still the law of the land until their decision actually comes down. But this was just like a little sneak preview as to of, of what's to come, right? What might be to come. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like, I understand you saying there's still, you're telling me there's a chance. Like, <laughs> of course these, just, these justices are going to vote ultimately to overturn Roe. We've known that it's coming. Like, we've known as much as you can know until it happens that that's coming. That has not changed. You're right. The, like, the, the specifics of, you know, the language in, this, in, the, in the decision may be tweaked. But, like, this is the gist. And, it's, and everybody who, who actually works on this issue understands this for what it is, that this is a signal of what the court 
intends to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like things are going to magically be okay when they when they release their final decision. Like, it's not going to fundamentally change from what we've learned, right? Here's hoping. Yeah. Well, no, not here's hoping. Here's hoping that it does change. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not going to though. Like, I mean, like, let's just be realistic about that. Like, they 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 were looking during the hearing. They were looking for ways to end row. This this draft decision that was leaked indicates that they are really going for it, and and also that they've had preliminary votes in which they've got enough votes to over overturn Roe. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, the, the 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 draft was leaked. It's very rare, like you said, for a draft to leak in the Supreme Court. For any, the Supreme Court is notoriously like uh, just tight. Yeah, you know, like stuff doesn't get out. Monastic. Yeah, is right? an adjective I heard. I heard that too. And so, like somebody, and, and also these draft decisions are only circulated among a very small group of people within yeah. the court. Yeah. Um, and so somebody uh, in in the position to have access to this draft decision decided that it was, I mean, they're risking their entire career yeah. to leak this document. But it was an important it was important enough for the rest of us to know about that they did it, right? They they felt, I think they felt like it was a whistleblowing type of action. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That level of urgency. Right. Um, and so this draft decision, you know, outlines uh, essentially the reasons why the court is preparing to vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, to overturn um, the right to abortion in the United States. The federally uh, guaranteed nationwide right, right to, abortion. to abortion. That has protected abortion rights for the last 50 years. Yep. Close to 50 years. Um, it's been an established right. Uh and and the 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 it's it's one of these it's just it's infuriating because you know the 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 three justices on the court that were nominated by Trump, mm-hmm. um, first of all, uh, every single one of them were grilled on this issue. This is one of the issues that Supreme Court justice nominees are grilled on and have been for the last fifty years. Yeah. What do you think about Roe? Is it settled law? Every single one of them swore up and down that the rule of law matters to them and that Roe was settled law. Mm-hmm. They fucking lied. Yeah. They just straight up lied to the Senate confirmation, under oath lied about yeah. their, their opinion that Roe is settled law because they are here now preparing to overturn it. Which in a healthy democracy you'd think would matter. You would think it would matter. Those three justices appointed by Trump also, let's just remember, Trump was elected to the presidency and put in the position to nominate those people, elected by... Uh, uh, after losing the popular vote by a lot. Yeah. The chief justice uh, who is in this conservative block was also nominated by a Republican president who won the election with less than the popular, less than 50% of the popular vote, like did not win the popular vote. Like the court is just overrun (laughs) with extremists who were put there by a minority of Americans. Yep. I mean, it's just like, Red flashing lights, democracy in danger, guys, you know, mm-hmm. on that level of things. But here we are with, you know, the, facing the the idea that Roe versus Wade, the, the right to abortion will be overturned. overturned. The minute that decision is issued, uh, the, the very moment, roughly 90 seconds, I heard, uh-huh. is, <laughs> is that moment. Um, in 13 states, automatically abortion will be illegal. There's what's called trigger laws. So there are laws that have been written and passed through Mm -hmm. the legislature, signed by the governor Mm -hmm. in each of these states that say pretty much if and when Roe gets overturned, 
abortion will immediately be illegal in our state. For and in a lot of those cases, there's no exception for rape or incest. Health of the mother. Health. No, no, no exceptions at all. Nope. Like you're just screwed if you are in need of an abortion for any reason. Can't do it. Tough here. luck. That's 13 states that will not automatically happen. There's another like 10 or so that will very soon after that have abortion will be illegal in those states. Mm -hmm. There are um, a handful of other states that don't have any specific law on the books, but are um, led by Republican legislatures that have indicated that they will pass laws yeah. outlawing abortion when it becomes a possibility, when, when Roe is overturned. Often with super majorities. So like, like we're facing like really soon, like, like close to half, if not more than half of the country people not having access to abortion care. Yeah, and in, in terms of number of states, if not population. Right, exactly, exactly. Which, oh my God, it's terrifying. Like, just on the face of it, on the, on the, on the issue of abortion care alone, you know, I, I'm speaking as somebody who um, was brought up to believe that abortion was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I, this is the message I was told in my church, mm -hmm. um, specifically, we had a guy who would come uh, that our, our church welcomed several times a year. He was a member of the church, but his his outside activity was like, like his hobby. <laughs> his hobby was like harassing people going into abortion care centers to get abortions, you know, and he cool had this hobby, whole- man. Yeah, totally. Uh, and he had this whole foundation that he, you know, that he ran. Uh, it was not even his job. It was literally a hobby. Like- <laughs> But he would be welcomed to the pulpit in our church multiple times a year to talk about his cause, and you know they would throw up on the on the big screen at the with the overhead projector on in the church these gruesome images of what abortion is. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's the message I was given growing mm. up. Like I was told a story about abortion that turns out once I examined it much later in my life was a bunch of shit. Mm absolute bullshit, lies, describing an image of what they needed abortion to be in order to be against it, right? right. Um, that was just false. Sure. It's just a false idea of what abortion is. And um, those are the messages I was given growing up. And so I grew up believing that it was wrong. Um, and, I, and I spent, you know, the, the first handful of my voting years as an adult voting against it because that's what I was told and I believed it and I did not examine it and there you go. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is that abortion care is necessary health care for people who have the ability to become pregnant. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is that without legal abortion, abortions will still happen. Yeah, you can only outlaw safe abortions. Exactly, and that this will put the lives of people uh, who have become pregnant in great danger, mm -hmm. either because they've sought an illegal abortion and it's not regulated and so maybe they get sick and die because mm -hmm. of that procedure, mm -hmm. you know? The whole term back alley abortions, like mm -hmm. that's where that comes from. Like when it was illegal, people sought out abortion care uh, wherever they could because they needed it. And oftentimes it was it resulted in their, you know, in making them sick or, or causing them to die, you know? But... Aside from like the the like unhealth or like the unsafe procedures that people will will find, you know, in places where people aren't able to find a, a way to get an abortion where it's illegal, and they're forced to carry a pregnancy to term, like the implications of that mm -hmm. uh, 
on the person's, the pregnant person's health. Pregnancy, like the maternal mortality rate in our country is off the charts. It's one of the highest in the world. And so to force somebody it's to like go- It's like us in Somalia. It's really wild. Yeah. So to force somebody to go through pregnancy and face that risk, it's, it's just, it's, it's insane. Yeah. And of course the- Venn diagram of the the vulnerable people who can't figure out how to get an abortion where it's illegal, right? And the people who would then have you know maternity issues. I mean, it's a very big overlap because yes. it's poverty related. Exactly, totally. It's going to impact already marginalized communities even more. Yeah. Than, than, than and not even to mention, like if you saddle a woman with a child yes. she doesn't want, it completely. Like forecloses upon her ability to thrive in her life in many many situations. Oh my gosh! It, it, if you had given me a kid when I was twenty two, like I would not have been able to accomplish the things in my life that I've subsequently been able to. Also, would you have had the ability to raise a child in a healthy way and give that child the life that they deserve? I was certainly <laughs> not know? ready for that in my twenties. Right. I was struggling with my own very very difficult issues. Right, like when people aren't ready to have children, they need to have the option to not have children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this is really a forced birth scenario that we're looking at. Yeah. And it's not cool. Like, it's not cool for the pregnant person's health. It's not cool for their mental health. It's not cool for their economic standing. It's not cool for, it, it just, it, not to mention, it's just a flagrant uh, uh, violation of the human right to bodily autonomy. Yeah. We, you know, and, and, and that's, that's part of the lies I was fed when I was a kid, right? Like we were taught that it was, that the, the little fetus is really, it's a baby and it's got its own life. And that's just not true. Yeah, medically <laughs> and, it's not accurate. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the people who are putting that message out uh, now didn't always believe it. And I'm going to get to that <laughs> in a related section coming up. But like, it's just, uh, it's, it's distressing. It's distressing on just the, just the, the idea of, of abortion itself being <sighs> made illegal in this country. Sure. It's, it, you know, immediate, like we said, immediately or soon, soon thereafter, after it's overturned, roughly half the states, it's going to be illegal. But even before this draft decision was leaked on Monday night, earlier on Monday, there was a story floating around in several publications about how Republicans are strategizing uh, for a national ban on abortion. That's their next step. Like, mm -hmm. So those of us who live in blue states were like, well, at least, you know, I've got protection. You know, the state of Washington, the right to abortion is, you know, is law. Um, Republicans are looking to overturn that too. Like Republicans are looking, they are strategizing on how to make a national ban on abortion. So whether you're living in a blue or red state, it doesn't matter, right? That's where they're headed. Yeah. So that, that itself is like terrifying enough on its own. But in this draft decision, that they, it was written by Justice Alito. He lays out in this draft decision the reasons, and this is what they do in their decisions. They, they lay out the reasons why they're making the decision, yeah, right? they explain and their reasoning. The reasoning that he lays out is that, uh, that there is no right to privacy in the Constitution. So the right to privacy is the right on which Roe versus Wade rests, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it, abortion rights rest on the right to privacy. Well, Alito's asserting that the right to privacy doesn't exist in the, in the original Constitution and therefore... This can't, therefore, there's, you know, privacy is not a legal right, and therefore abortion can be outlawed in, by the states if they want to, right? That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the justification. 
And he specifically in this cites at least one other case that it relies on the right to privacy that was decided long ago. Um, it was a case in Texas. It was Lawrence v. Texas, which, uh, which declared, the, the, the case was about, uh, the state of Texas wanted, had, had a law on its books making so, what they called sodomy illegal, mm -hmm. okay? So basically, sex between two people that's not heterosexual and penis to vagina sex, mm -hmm. Right? So any other sex besides that was on the books illegal in Texas, which mm -hmm. means that for LGBTQ people who experience sex in non-heterosexual penis-to-vagina sex ways, mm -hmm. that was punishable by law as a criminal offense. It right. was illegal to be gay right. and have sex. That decision, making that law, overturning that Texas law, Lawrence v. Texas, protecting the rights of people to have sex in the ways that they want to, <laughs> Um, is based on the right to privacy. And it was cited by Alito in this draft decision as being essentially next on the chopping block. Like, mm -hmm. they are going for that right. Other rights that are covered by the right to privacy, that other decisions, upon. other decisions, Supreme Court decisions that, that, that rest upon the right to privacy include uh, marriage equality, so the ability for gay people to marry right. whoever they want to, or anybody to marry whoever they want to, um, rests on that right. They're totally coming for that. The right to, this is astonishing. <laughs> it was astonishing to me. I, I knew this, but like I relearned it and it made me gasp. The right to use contraception yeah. is a right that was established by the Supreme Court resting on the right to privacy. They're coming for your birth control. Mm -hmm. There are a ton of civil rights protections and protections for people of color that also rest on the right to privacy. And this, everybody said, when when Trump won uh, in 2016, oh, don't worry, they'll he'll not, he'll get to nominate some justices, but they'll, they'll never overturn Roe. That's settled. It's never going to happen. You're being hysterical mm -hmm. to think that that's going to happen, and you might be tempted to be like, oh, that's they're never going to take away marriage equality. They'll, they won't take away your right to birth control. Certainly, interracial marriage has got to stay legal. I mean, come on, folks. It's not like it's not unreasonable to see this for what it is that, that shit's on the dropping block I'm getting emotional because it's really fucking scary mm -hmm. yeah and you know something else about all of this too is that like just if you look at the general context of where we're headed as a country like and you look at the history of civil rights in other countries and other western democracies yes uh, civil rights being taken away once they have been granted is extraordinarily rare. Yeah. Extraordinarily rare. This is not normal at all. Right. And the literally only situation, the only context in which that happens is in what they call backsliding democracies, which is countries that previously were full-fledged democracies mm -hmm. but are on the slope down, sliding somewhere on the slope down toward authoritarianism. So you think of countries like Hungary. That's a great example. Yep. That's a country in which civil rights have been rolled back over the past decade. Yeah. And that's because Hungary was a democracy and is now much more an authoritarian country. And much like the United States, that, that author the nature of that authoritarianism has taken the shape of white Christian nationalist fascism. Yeah. yeah, it's what they refer to as a Christian ethnostate. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's bad. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's easy to think of, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 47-year-old woman who lives in a blue state. I'm, I'm really close to the age where I, I wouldn't be able to conceive even if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like probably be pretty hard right now anyway. <laughs> you know what it's like I but I'm like I, in terms of how this this particular decision affects me personally, it doesn't, right? Yeah. Hardly the point. Hardly the point because number 1, just because something doesn't affect you personally doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like and it does. Empathy it's, people is called empathy. And the second thing is that it this is just a harbinger of more to come. If you don't think that this decision and this movement is affecting you right now, be warned that they're coming for you in one way or another as well. And and the purpose of it is to entrench a power structure that in which the power is concentrated in an extremist minority of people to keep like seven billionaires wealthy <laughs> and running and running shit while the rest of us just fend for ourselves. Yeah. It is, um, it's, it's terrifying. It, like, it is really important for us to acknowledge the fact, like you were just saying, that the United States is currently, in its current state, a backsliding democracy. That's yeah. what we are. We like to think of ourselves as like a beacon of hope for the world. We're not. We are not. We're not that. We're a cautionary tale. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's very much a first day came for the people with uteruses kind of situation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of related thoughts um, that sort of like, you know, I, I, I have sort of a let's get less dumb related to this pro- this topic. But I Really? Would to Circling back circle. to let's get less dumb. Class? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. So I'm, I'm circling back. Um, and it's this. Um this is something that I have I have known for a while, but this this topic has been like circulating in the last twenty four hours since this news broke, um, because you know these these extremist Republican right wing justices that are that are you know about to overturn Roe versus Wade, um, they they all come from this uh, this tradition of of the moral majority, right? Like we're the fusion of of religion. And politics, yeah. um, and uh, the refusion of of religion and right wing politics yeah. that has been, you know, a characteristic of our system for the last forty years. Yeah, um, forty five, almost fifty, really. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, yes, it's true. Basically, our entire lifetime is very weird. And you know, for just about my like entire life, it's like my conscious lifetime, mm-hmm. I have associated this like anti-abortion movement with the conservative religious right, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I said, I grew up in a church where they invited this guy in multiple times a year to show us gruesome images of aborted fetuses and tell, telling us lies about what that procedure is all about, yeah. you know, and, and what it means for people. Um, and so I've associated those things. And so I, I, I spent a long time uh, with the assumption that that's just the way it's always been, that religious people have always been against abortion. And this is not true. And this not is how we're going... the case. We're going to get less dumb because we're going to learn the truth about this. Um, there's this uh, great article. Um, it's actually several years old, also in Politico, that we can put in the show notes. So if people want to read more about this in depth, they can do that. But the real origins of the anti-abortion movement have nothing to do with being against abortion at all. Mm-mm. It was a 
a cynical political ploy because to, to get people into this idea of anti-abortion because folks wanted to create a, a coalition of voters. Really, the thing that they wanted to defeat was segregation of schools. Right. And it was more palatable to them. They, 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 they couldn't like just be like all you know, upfront about the fact that they were anti-desegregation. Yeah. You know, that was just too racist, you know, to not, be... To not be, cool at cocktail parties. Exactly. But if you can rope those vo- rope voters into voting in a block that is anti-abortion and also pro-prayer in schools and anti-pornography and like all these like moral causes, mm-hmm. right? And you can roll in the anti-segregation or the anti-segregation stuff, the the, segrega- the pro-segregation stuff yeah. into all of that, then you've just got this like whole like burrito of things, you know, mushed together in this tortilla of like the moral majority. Yeah. And you vote those candidates in, you vote those policies in, and you get the segregation that you want, um, but but you've motivated people to vote for that based on these like emotional, heartstring, moral sort of arguments. Based Pictures on of babies. Lives. Who doesn't love babies? Exactly. And I, I just wanted to like, read a couple of quotes from this article. Uh, The abortion myth quickly collapses under historical scrutiny. In fact, it wasn't until 1979, a full six years after the Roe decision, that evangelical leaders at the behest of conservative conservative activist Paul Wyrick, he was the guy who founded the Heritage Foundation, Mm. may have heard of that before, seized on abortion not for moral reasons, but as a rallying cry to deny President Jimmy Carter a second term. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the anti-abortion crusade was more palatable than the religious right's real motive, protecting segregated schools. And and as evidence of this, like there's quotes in this article, I could read several, I'm just going to pick one, because there's several instances of like public statements by like, Organizations who now pro- proclaim to be pro-life, yeah. right? And they're like huge voices in the anti-abortion movement, like the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. the, the Convention of Churches in the Southern Baptist Movement. Um, when Roe, when the Roe decision was handed down, and I'm quoting again, W.A. Criswell, the Southern Baptist Convention's former president and pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, also one of the most famous fundamentalists of the 20th century, this mm-hmm. guy, uh, was pleased when Roe came down. Quote, this is his quote. I have always felt that it was only after a child was born and had a life separate from its mother that it became an individual person, he said. And it has always, therefore, seemed to me that what is best for the mother and for the future should be allowed. Like, he was celebrating Roe versus Wade. This is the guy that used to lead one of the organizations in this country who had become one of the biggest participants in this extreme right-wing moral majority baloney that we've seen over the last 40 years. They cynically changed their mind about abortion because they wanted to roll it into stuff to keep keep schools segregated. Yeah. And so much of this stuff, historically, has just been that that same sort of sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, it's not sincerely held beliefs on on the side of the people doing it. It's a way to consolidate power and control. Right, because if you really were concerned about decreasing abortion or eliminating abortion, you would do what scientific studies suggest actually decreases the rate of abortion. And that's things like comprehensive sex education, 
access for everyone for, to birth control. Yeah. Uh, healthcare for people. Like there are. You would do things to lift kids out of poverty because poor people have way more unwanted pregnancies than wealthy yeah. people. There are lots of things folks could do if you were really sincere about wanting to reduce the number of abortions. And I, and honestly, I want all those things because it's just the right thing to do. Because it's like the, uh, it's it's good to take care of people in that way. Give them comprehensive sex education. Give them birth control. Give them free healthcare. Yeah. Give them bring bring them out of poverty. That's all good stuff. I don't want to do those things because it reduces abortion. I actually celebrate abortion. It's a choice that people ought to have a, 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 the right to choose for themselves to live their lives in the way that they best see fit. Like, yeah. yay, let's throw a party. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not into those things for the fact of reducing abortions. But these people are telling us that they are pro-life and they're anti-abortion. If they actually were those things, there's a whole host of things that they could do to reduce abortions. Yeah. Making abortion illegal is not going to reduce abortions. No. People will just do it unsafely and illegally and find ways to do it. And yeah, anyway, it's disingenuous. It's duplicitous, yeah, in fact. It really is. And you know what else is duplicitous? What? Is all of these same people, like something that Alito said, like in this draft uh, decision, mm -hmm. was that it should be returned to state legislatures where it always should have rested so that the people can decide mm -hmm. through the vote. But of course, they took care of that a few months ago when they took they got a voting shredder rights. to voting rights. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it was really important, I think. I think this is a strategy. Absolutely. And I think it was really important that they do it in this order. Right, you have to shred voting rights first and then be like, oh, well, they, people can vote for what they want in the states. Oh, but sorry, we've already taken your voting rights away. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't have a bow to tie on this. Like, this is just shitty. Yeah. This is really shitty. Yeah. Um, but I felt like it was important to just verbalize all of the ins and outs as far as I understand them here on this place where we talk about things that are important to us because this feels really fucking important. Feels really, really important. And you know, here, this is not a bow, but in the spirit of trying to look objectively at the situation and see positivity wherever it might be. <laughs> okay. I'm willing to give you a chance here. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, one possible outcome of this draft decision having been leaked mm -hmm. is that it exerts so much pressure on the Supreme Court that they pull back from this and do something more incremental. So, fingers crossed. Okay, so I'll take that. And, like, if that happens, that will be good in the immediate term. It'll for be less bad. It won't still be good. Like, less bad. they're still going to uphold this Mississippi thing. They're still going to probably ratchet back to 15 months, you know, right. it, for the nation nationwide You're overview. Right. You're right. And currently, you can't get an abortion in Texas because the Supreme Court right. hasn't done anything about that. So and now Oklahoma, too. That's right. Roe is essentially already over in Texas and Oklahoma because of that. Yeah. Um, so, like, you're right. It's not good. It's maybe less bad in the immediate term. But I, I, I am under no delusions that they're giving up their plan long term. I like, think you're right about th that. This is something that 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 they've been gunning for. I mean, the the whole purpose of this of 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 the Federalist Society, right? The, this group, this secretive group with dark money contributions that have been grooming uh, judges. Um, and and lobbying 
lawmakers for decades to create the kind of Supreme Court that would do this kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just not going to give give up because somebody leaked a document. Right. They're, they've been on this mission for decades. Like, yeah. they're not giving it up. Like, and it's not, like I said, it's not just about abortion. It's about all these other civil rights. They want to do away with all of them. Yeah. That's what they're aiming for. Yeah. So they're not giving up the program, right? Like, so it could be good. It could be less bad news in the short term. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Less bad news. But it's not like this. It's not like this is over. And this is maybe a decent point to transition to my suggestion box related item for this topic. I speak to your manager now, please. Okay, what you got? So my suggestion box item is directed at our elected representatives because the, the fact of the matter is that right now we have a Democrat, a Democratic president. Mm-hmm. We have a Democratic uh, majority in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Theoretically, we should be able to pass laws yeah. that take care of this. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, we have a couple of senators in the House. Uh, uh, Joe Manchin. In the, in the Senate, not in the House. Excuse me. Senators in the House. In the Senate. I'm sorry. Senator Joe Manchin and who's the other one? Is it Bob Casey? Is that his name? Democratic senators who are kind of iffy on abortion. Like they did, they they really aren't all that. Well, and this is setting aside the fact that we would have to abolish a filibuster or do anything, which two senators have said they're yes. unwilling to do. So all of this is a non-starter. All of it is a non-starter. I mean, all of it is a non-starter, but everything is a non-starter until we demand it, right? Like, and I'm not suggesting that like somehow this is like the magic time where it's all going to come together. But like, we do need to make demands of our leaders right now. We do need to make demands of, of, of our senators and our House representatives. We do need to make demands of, of the president and the vice president to use all the powers they have to influence other lawmakers in Washington to do right by us. Yeah. You know, and what we need for them to do is to pass, it's already passed the House legislation that would codify, make it a law, make it the law of the land passed through Congress that we have the right to abortion. It's stalled in the Senate. The leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, has, I read today that he said that he's going to call a vote on it. He hasn't called a vote yet because there's always like, well, it's not going to pass, so maybe we'll just wait and we'll try to lobby, blah, 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 blah. He's, he made a statement that he's actually going to call a vote and with the full knowledge that it will likely fail, mm-hmm. but he's going to make every single senator in the Senate, go on record as being like, yes, I'm for uh, people's right to bodily autonomy or no, I'm against people's right to bodily autonomy. Like they are going to go on the record having to say that in black and white and it may not pass. But like, we need to be putting pressure on all of these people and demanding what it is that we want. We'll never get what we need if we don't demand it. That's true. It will never happen if we don't. So my my suggestion box, my request to the, the manager to which I would like to speak right now is our lawmakers. And I would like to encourage anyone listening here to call the manager. Yeah. Call your representatives. Call your senators. Um, uh, we'll put the number for the U.S. Capitol switchboard in the show notes. So you can just click on that thing and ask to be connected to your house rep and to your two senators. Um, you'll have to make three calls to make all of that happen. But you can leave messages. And here's what I would say. If, if you care about this, and if you don't care about this, I would like to invite you uh, out from under the rock that you're sleeping in right now. Under, uh, under the, Thank you. Um, to call and just say, what are you doing? What, like my call to my senator, uh, one of my senators, Patty Murray. I would like to know what Senator Murray is doing today 
to push forward legislation in the Senate to codify abortion rights nationwide. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Um, you can do this. That's, you, can make, you can make that call to your... And also, if you, are, if you live in a state where you are represented by people who have been on the record as being anti-abortion, call them anyway. Oh, yeah. They need to hear from you. Yes, they do. It, it, Even more than the people in the blue states. It's absolutely true. We, we all need to call. We, need, we will not get what we don't demand. Yeah. And so, the Capitol's switchboard phone number is 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Okay, and we'll put it in the notes as well so you can reference it later. But that's my, that's my, uh, my suggestion box for the day. Um, ultimately, I mean, I would like to add more to the suggestion box. We need, to, we need to abolish the filibuster, codify Roe. We need to codify all those other civil rights too that are in danger. In order to do any of that, we have to gain Senate seats in this midterm election. Yeah. Because the bottom line is that we have 48 senators right now who would be willing to abolish a filibuster and two who aren't. We only need 50 to do it. Yeah. Meaning that we have to net out at plus two more Democratic senators. Mm -hmm. And basically just do an end run around Manchin and Cinema. Right. Because they are totally stopping all progress on these issues. And it's so critically important. But if we get two more Democratic senators, yeah. we can abolish the filibuster, and then we can do voting rights yeah. before the next presidential election. Wow, hugely important. That would be We great. can also do Roe. We can, we can codify civil rights on every level. We'd have to keep the House also, which yep. is a whole other political fight. But that's something that we can be involved in. You and I have already pledged to be involved in doing, um, uh, doing voter, protection, voter work. protection work in Wisconsin again yep. because they have a Senate race that is really up for grabs. Like we could really, it, it's currently, it's a race, that, a, a, a Senate seat that's currently occupied by a, an anti-abortion anti scumbag Republican and he's vulnerable. And uh, we're going to work to replace him in Wisconsin with a, uh, a pro-choice Democratic senator. That could happen. We're, and we can make that, we can make those calls from here in Washington to Washington, to uh, Wisconsin and help, you know, motivate voters to do that. But locally here too, like there's a house race not far from us that's that's kind of vulnerable and we need to help protect uh, her seat as well. Kim mm -hmm. Schreier, you know, yep. nearby us here. Like I I'm willing to go knock on doors for Kim Schreier again. We did it two, four years ago, four years I think ago. it was. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, like we, you, you can get involved no matter where you are to, to get this outcome that we need. And um, just everybody, I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, anyway, that, I think that that kind of wraps up what I feel the need to say about that <laughs> whole subject today. Um, and, you know, we, we it's, it's in moments like this when I find it really, really necessary to lean hard on my tools for processing my emotions about this. Because honestly, um, one of the biggest gifts we can give the uh, fascist movement in our country is to become so overwhelmed and discouraged that we don't do anything. Yep. And so this is one of those moments where it's really important for me to do my personal work, to acknowledge these emotions, process them, work through them, decide where I have power and use that power, right? Yeah. Even if it's small, even if it's a, picking up my phone and making these little phone calls, um, even if it's just committing myself to writing postcards or making phone calls during the election this coming fall, you know, like it matters. It matters because my action alone isn't what's going to create change or create momentum for 
moving in the direction we need to go. It's my action plus the actions of millions of others who are also doing that. Yep. We can build power with each other when we find the power within ourselves to do the small things that we can. Yeah. So I just want to, I wanted to say that as a word of encouragement to you and, and, and know that if you're angry and, uh, as furious as I have been, and, and if you're feeling despondent as I have felt, um, you are so not alone. There are so many of us. And I just want to encourage you to feel those feelings and do what you would do, whatever it is that you need to do to process them and turn them into action. That's what, we're, that's what we, got, we got to do. And we're going to be there for each other in the midst of all that. Right on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sugar. Yeah. Appreciate that. Mm. So I'm under the impression you might have something for the Inspiration Station. Inspiration Station. I do. I do. This was, um, uh, I, 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 this was like a, a meta podcast because I'm commenting on something I heard on another podcast. Whoa. <laughs> um, but I love listening to uh, the Glennon Doyle podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of my... Um, things that I do to feed my own soul. And um, I was listening uh, this morning to an interview that they did with uh, the author Susan Cain. She has a new book out called Bittersweet, um, which uh, she, she said that she would actually have preferred to name the book The Happiness of Melancholy or something like that because that's, that's kind of like what the book is about. But her, mm. her editors were like, this will be a more... Uh, marketable title. People don't like the word melancholy. <laughs> so, yep. but, she, but essentially, they were talking about sort of like the superpower of sadness. Um, and uh, it's a great episode, and I encourage you to listen to it. But one of the things that they were talking about, which was just so interesting to me, was that she was she was discussing um, the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. So in our bodies, the largest nerve in our body is the vagus nerve. And it's like... V-A-G-U-S, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a bundle of, of neurons um, that runs through, it's the longest one in our body and it's like the biggest bundle of mm -hmm. nerves in our body um, or of neurons in our body. And the vagus nerve uh, regulates things like digestion, like our mm -hmm. digestive system, breathing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, our impulse to breathe is controlled by the vagus nerve, mm -hmm. our reproductive system. And guess what else is contained in the physical mechanism of the vagus nerve? What? The, our ability to care. Whoa. Specifically, our ability to care for one another, to feel, to experience compassion. Wow. Is, is the vagus nerve is responsible for that. Like wow. they've, they have like scientific studies about this. And I just thought this was so, so interesting that the idea that like caring for people is hard. It's often sad <laughs> to care, right? Sure. Like, like we're, in this situation we're describing right now with the, you know, Roe versus Wade, it is really hard to process this because the feelings are coming from a place of care and concern for our, myself and others, right? right? You know, like it it comes from a place of, of being able to feel deeply, you know? And so it's hard and sad, but also that's the root of where we experience all the beauty and joy too. Like that, that's the same, it's the same, you know, mechanism in our body that experiences sadness that can also experience joy, right? Like the capacity for one sort of defines the capacity for the other. And I just thought it was so interesting that like in the vagus nerve is, it's telling us that like it is as important to our survival, evolutionarily speaking, that caring is as important to our survival as is digestion, reproducing, and breathing. Yeah. Like, 
to care is as important as all of those other things, as important to our survival as a species, which I thought was just, I mean, it makes sense. It pencils out. Yeah. And so also, you know, if you're feeling the hard feelings, that's okay. Like you're you're living, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, just like you are breathing right now. Yeah. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's what our bodies have evolved us to be able to do in order to survive. And so there you go. That's my inspiration station item for today. Well, I love it. I feel pretty inspired. <laughs> I think you might be giving me some lip service. <laughs> I am absolutely not. Okay, I okay. love it. That's good. Yeah. Uh, how about we finish up with a gratitude crank up? What you got? It's a really good idea to finish up with that today. Um, I am grateful today for my recovery tools that I use to navigate feelings about the happenings of the world. I, I, would be, I would be in utter despair without them. And so I'm really grateful for those tools. Right on. How about you? I'm grateful today for everything that's blooming oh, outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in a time when things feel fraught, when it seems like there's a lot of destruction in the world, when things are not necessarily going great, it feels reassuring to be able to look outside and see that life just continues. Mm-hmm. You know, and can be beautiful. Word. Yeah, grateful for that. Thank you. All right, that. people. Well, hey, thank you so much for spending this last hour with us. We are, as always, very, very grateful for your time, for your ears, for your presence in our lives. Mm. Uh, you know... I would normally say here that if you'd like to support our work, please go to misfitstars.com slash support. But the sad truth is that people don't do that when I say it. <laughs> so I'm not gonna. Prove him wrong. You yeah. listener, prove him wrong. Yeah, I'm not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> so it's okay. Enjoy the podcast, freeloaders. Aw. <laughs> no, honestly, we, we, we mention it because uh, all of what we do is supported by people who find what we do important and valuable to them. That's like true. that is that is how we're able to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so if if what we're doing is important and valuable to you, if it's bringing something into your life that means something, it would mean a lot to us if you uh, would show us your support. If you're unable to do that financially, of course that's fine. Yeah, we like, get it. It's, we totally get that. And also but, there's a bunch of people listening who are already ongoing supporters yes. of our work. You know, and that, thanks you guys. Exactly. But you know, if you're not yet a supporter and you've been, you know, you've been getting something out of this or maybe you really, you know, have been getting a lot out of the the, the album project that, we, that we're doing right now and releasing serially out into the world, the journaling project that goes along with it. Yeah. Maybe it really means all a lot. All of the essays, all of the thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, the 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 mentoring, the pay it forward mentoring work that Jamie does with other artists um, is something that you think is really cool and you want to be a part of making that happen. This is all the stuff that that our supporters support goes to, uh, to to help make happen in yeah. the world so if this is important to you if it means something to you it would mean a lot to us if you just hey you, you, you can pick your own amount like it starts at five bucks a month yeah. uh, most people do ten some people are wild and crazy and do like a dollar a day and that's amazing but just it's, 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 it's a, a practical sort of like tangible way of being like yes this is important to me I want to see it continue in the world here you go Jamie and Shannon go for it 
So misfitstars.com slash support. That's what it's all about. And uh, we thank you uh, for doing that. Those of you who have already supported, thank you. Um, we, we really are so grateful for you and appreciate you so, so much. It is very, very true. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. We'll be back next week with more. We're back from break. More bad news no, no, no. next week. We're gonna have some good news too. We're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of a, a mishmash of things that are important to us to talk about. Um, right. And we appreciate you spending some time with us today. But until next week, please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye.